This is The Switch, finding solutions to support sustainable living and combat climate change at the individual level. Brought to you by the Fur Bearers. I'm Mike Howie, and I'm here with April Griffith, the director of the Carnegie Public Library in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, who also served as an advisor for the American Library Association's Resilient Communities Program. Thanks for joining us, April. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Excellent. So let's start out by asking, what was the need, or how did you identify the need for this larger program, the Resilient Communities Program? Well, I um, found out about the fact that they were seeking advisors to create um, this program through a listserv uh, for librarians, and it sounded something that I would love to contribute to. Uh, resiliency and sustainability at my library was something we've been working on for several years, and I felt like I could sort of help give some advice and help shape this program for other people. And I think initially um, how ALA got started with it was some funders, some personal donors saw that libraries were a really good way to distribute information. And they, it was a, a topic that was really important to them. So a lot of credit should go to those funders who helped make this happen. And that's how part of the program works is is providing funding to local libraries and just like in canada and the united states i understand a lot of the funding comes from local governments who are also the ones hit very very hard during pandemics and various mm -hmm. other things um so that is a very important aspect of it what kind of concepts did the participating libraries really get interested in um in the beginning are you thinking about the people who applied for the grant? Yes. Okay. Um, there was a lot of community organization. Um, one of the, the big tenets of this grant is the participation in a group called Crew, which is creating um, a climate resilience hub um, at their individual libraries. So it's a place where people can go during climate emergencies to figure out how to move forward. So that was something that a lot of the, the libraries who applied for the, it was initially a grant, but we created a program guide that's free to download. So any library can continue with it. Um, that's what they were interested in. And once the, the project got rolling and we saw libraries um, working with it, they they were communicating with us as the project advisors, and they were doing just amazing things. You know, they were organizing, they were doing a lot of community dialogues, uh, World Cafe questions, they were screening these films, in addition to being a part of crew and setting themselves up as crew hubs. But they were also, you know, working really hard to make sure that there was um, diversity and inclusion. I heard of some of the libraries were using some of their funding to provide small scholarships to make sure that people who might not otherwise be able to attend these these programs to have their voices heard so they could do it, you know, even if it's, you know, taking off a few hours from their job so that they could cover it this way. And I thought that was really inspiring. So they're they're making sure that it's something that's equitable. And that's such an important part because uh, privilege can play such a huge role in the conversations about climate action. And that's something we definitely need to be aware of. And I think one of the spots where libraries are frankly going to be among the leaders for communities because a library creates equality in so many ways, both through education and space. So that's that's wonderful. Uh, what, what did you hear from users, either at your library uh, where you've been doing some of this type of work or at other libraries? Well, I, I know at my library, 
um, because when we created this climate guide, we were also building from our own experiences, uh, me and the other project advisors with what we've done. So some of the things I talked about is how to do children's programming that sort of focuses and some of hands-on STEM programming. So some of the responses we received after we did say a demonstration of how solar panels work by building a little solar robo robot, um, were people coming back and saying, this is really cool. Um, I know I had a patron who came back and she said, I saw these solar panels for sale. And since we did that program, I figured we'd give it a shot. And, you know, I've been taking these solar panels around and just charging things that I need. And she was, this particular person was living uh, more of a transient lifestyle, <laughs> I suppose is the way to put it. So it was something that really helped her out. Mm -hmm. um, and we've made a lot of just changes in our operations at the library to become a little bit more sustainable. Even just during the pandemic, we were operating, we have been operating curbside pickup for people who'd rather not go inside enclosed spaces. And um, we've been using biodegradable bags and we get a lot of positive feedback on those small things, small changes that people really appreciate seeing, you know, um, We've been doing programs outside in our garden space and yep. we have reusable cups and we say, when you're done, put it down here and it's dirty and we'll wash it. And people like that, they like seeing less waste. They like seeing um, these organizations that such as libraries, I think, and sorry, this is gonna sound off topic, but to me, libraries are really important because we serve all ages, but I think it's, it's sort of doing something a little bit two-faced if you're practicing doing library programs in an unsustainable way for children. Yeah. So I, I think it's one way when we're focusing on becoming more resilient and more sustainable that we're we're showing in our actions to our youngest patrons that we do care and their future is important to us. Absolutely. And I, as I said, I really think libraries are leaders in a lot of this stuff. And as someone who grew mm -hmm. up with a lot of time spent at the library, I'm very appreciative of it. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what, you know, libraries in Canada, the U.S. and, and around the world, uh, what can they be doing? And what are some of the highlights from the guide? Uh, because I believe that is the great segue to point to that again. Yes. Um, so the guide is really great in that it covers a lot of things. There's... Um, it talks about book clubs and has book recommendations you can do focusing on community resiliency and sustainability but there's also films that were suggested and a lot of these films were handpicked um, for the original uh, libraries who applied to get the grant they they automatically got the rights to show it and i'd say it's, it's a good possibility if there are any of these films in this programming guide that you would like that libraries are interested in showing if they contact the distributor, um, they can probably work something out so that they can screen it at their library as well. But particularly these films are really great because, you know, they're about the challenges of climate, but they leave on a hopeful note. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's tips on how to lead a film discussion. All these, when we were, we got together and started um, forming this project in February of 2020. And it very quickly became um, apparent that we are going to have to think about how these things would be done in a different way, how libraries could, could roll these out. So there's tips about how to do a virtual film screening for communities. Um, and how to do hands-on programming with people that's more take and make and how to 
to, you know, what libraries have been doing and a lot of people have been doing a lot of different organizations of facilitating things that are meant to be one-on-one -on -one in a virtual and sort of more removed environment. I particularly here in Arkansas, we live in a very rural area. So not everyone has internet access. So the challenge then became how to, um, advise in this guide how people can do it if I, I'm sure there's I know there's rural parts in Canada too yep. um, where people might not have the best internet access so how to create a program that someone can take home um, and do it self-guided and and writing instructions um, and there's also even just mindfulness programs and that was a big important one you know talking about resiliency and sustainability a big part of it is self-resiliency and mental resiliency so that is covered in the guide as well sort of practices for talking a little bit about self-care um, and managing the anxiety that a lot of people are feeling not only because of the pandemic but because our world is changing um so quickly and people can find more information about this at ala.org online or check the show notes in this week's episode to get a direct link to the climate change page, which is Resilient Communities, Libraries Respond to Climate Change and a Programming Guide for Libraries. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate being here. Want to learn more about this week's episode and how your choices can benefit wildlife and their habitat? View the show notes in your app or visit DefenderRadio.com. To learn more about the fur bearers, visit thefurbearers.com or find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow host Michael Howie on social media with at Howie Michael on Instagram or Defender Radio Podcast on Facebook. Subscribe or follow Defender Radio to get notified about new episodes of The Switch and Defender Radio right on your smart device. Thanks for listening.